cliffcentral.com. You're listening to The Bounce Show with Byron Karpinski. I'm Hugh Bladen, and it's on clivecentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Blades, and it's Ben Karpinski. Why didn't you tell me? Ben Karpinski on cliffcentral.com. Last show of March for the band show. I hope it is anywhere. I haven't cocked my dates up yet. No, 27th of March. It's the last time you'll be hearing from me on the March. Uh, good month of, of all-round sport, really. Super Rugby is, well, it's kicking on. It's going pretty well. Cricket's still going strong. Uh, the golf is getting better and better as we tee ourselves up for the Masters. Uh, F1 is back. MotoGP is back. Uh, sporting politics is thriving as usual. And all of these things mean that we have a full show ahead. No guests today. I'm holding out for what Hope can be like my biggest sort of golfing guest so far. So fingers crossed I'll have something for you next week because next week is the Masters. Now the Masters isn't just a time when Gary Player gets to do karate kicks in front of people early in the morning on a Thursday. Um, it's probably, well, the most unique of all the golf tournaments out there as far as it's always the same venue. Uh, it's the only major to be at the same venue. You get to win a green jacket. It's on a golf course that you will never get to play in your entire life. It's very, very cool. And uh, that'll all be from next week. Danny Willett, defending champion there. Juwan McLean's Happy House. That's our opening song today. Very happy for a happy Monday. Nice. Right, so I've been watching quite a few documentaries recently. There's some great sporting documentaries out there. Um, I watched a 30 for 30 ESPN thing with John Daly recently. Do you remember how good John Daly actually was? Just keeping with the golf before we get to everything else. John Daly was like super incredibly talented, but he was also like kind of white trash, massive alcoholic, no real sort of family life to speak of. And, uh, he just lost it. But in between losing it, regaining it, and then losing it like tenfold, the guy won two major championships. Absolutely incredible. See if you can find it. It's that ESPN 30 for 30 series. Um, really, really insightful, interesting stuff. And like behind the scenes stuff you may have not seen before. I still can't quite grasp it. The guy won two majors. He was such a sensation. Uh, another documentary I watched recently was Being Zlatan. I will bring you the trailer for that a little bit later. Um, yeah, just so much on Netflix, actually, for sport, which is really great. And uh, if you just know where to go, there's just so many, so many different uh, sport and documentaries, which is always cool because, you know, we become a little bit obsessed with, like, what's happening in the now, in the headlines now, uh, on the results that go on from week to week. But there's some amazing sporting stories that we often just forget about. So I think um, coming up pretty soon, um, I'll, I'll do, like, just a show on documentaries worth watching. And it's it's so worth it. Again, like, you know, we become so jaded as sports fans because we get hung up on the same old crap. But these documentaries keeps perspective going. 
Um, the Barnes show will be changing quite soon. I need to get this in before I get into everything else. It'll be moving to a Thursday. I'm probably asking why would I do that? Well, it's just better to do things on a Thursday, I think, sport-wise, because I can preview the weekend. I get some more insightful stories. I just feel sometimes we get a bit you know, caught up in what has already happened rather than what is happening here on the show. And um, I think, you know, when it comes down to it, the what will happen and speculating on that, a bit more interesting always than recapping. Anyway, let's get into what happened of the weekend because, as you know, Super Rugby, round five, some really, really good matches. Um, I kind of feel this year it's a bit more predictable result-wise. I thought last year was just, you know, you could flip a coin for so many results. I'm not just saying it because I'm getting a bit more rights on Superbrew. Uh, if you are playing in the balance pool, keep it up. The prices are pretty good. The season is long, I know, but it'll be worth it in the end. But I just, I just feel like, you know, apart from the odd Aussie derby that can go either way, the games are a bit more sort of clean cut. But the results, well, very interesting to see what the Crusaders are doing this year. Now, we always know these guys are slow starters, right? They always start off pretty slow, almost like forcefully so. And then, you know, because these guys manage their, their players really well. So they often rotate rotate out like the really big guys. Like Kieran Reed hasn't played yet. You know, he's um, obviously a superstar in that team. And he's, well, after Richard McCall went, of course, he's the next big thing. So he hasn't even played yet. And this team is top of the log. I know it's difficult to say a team is top of the log in Super Rugby because there's like six different logs. And ultimately, not even like the main one makes any sense. But the Crusaders started off bloody strong. And over the weekend, they played the force and, um, well, they just absolutely blew them away. Very, very powerful performance. And what these guys do is that they're there, thereabouts for the whole game. In the last 20 minutes, nobody can touch them. 45-17 beating the force there. Very, very good win. And then the Rebels, well, they showed against the Chiefs in the round prior to this that uh, maybe they're not completely crap. You know, they started the season just taking hammerings. They got hammered by the Blues. They got even more hammered by the Hurricanes. They had a week off. And um, they got it together against the, the Chiefs, ultimately losing to them. But they showed some promise, and they were dynamite in the first half against the Waratahs. I had these guys on Super Bowl to win by three. And after that first half, I thought, cheapers, if they can just sort of hold, hold together here, they got this. Well, they didn't score a single point in that second half. So Waratahs coming back there. They scored two tries in the last three minutes, and 32-25, they finally register a win. The Blues, they hosted the Bulls. Now, if you are a Bulls fan, I do sympathize with your efforts here. Uh, most of my teams that I support are really shite, so I know what you're going through. But 38-14, completely outplayed. And again, it's just, when will this team start to show signs of gelling? You know, there's so much talent in this in this side. But again, you know, if you haven't got a good forward pack that can dictate things, well, it makes a difference who your backline is. It really doesn't. They can be as good as you want them to be. But unless they're getting good front football... And uh, they can recycle and go through the phases. Well, you've got no chance. Brumbies, Highlanders. Highlanders left it late there. And then they hung on as well against a rampant Brumby side who were just so keen to get the home win there. Not to be for the home side. 18-13 Highlanders win. Then it was the Sunwolves versus the Stormers. And the Stormers, well, they drew in this fixture last time out in Singapore. And the Sunwolves started out so bloody strong. You thought maybe another upset was on the cards. Stormers coming good at the end there. 44-31. Perhaps slightly flattering for the Stormers that scoreline. But an ugly win is an ugly win, as you will always hear in the cliches. So they get to just get more points. And um, that Africa conference that they're in now, they pretty much got that thing sewn up because all the other teams are pretty woeful. And as long as the Stormers can just keep beating those guys alone in their own conference, then they've got the guaranteed playoff spot, which I know is a massive flaw in this whole tournament. Then it was the Kings versus the Lions. Now, the Kings coming off their first ever bonus point against SA opposition. Now... 
that might sound like a whole bunch of nothing. Well, it kind of is. Because in all the times the Kings have played in Super Rugby, they have not beaten an SA side. And the bonus point against the Sharks in round four after losing, I think, 1917, that was the most they've ever gotten out of a local match. Well, they got bug roll out of this one, 42-19 against the Lions. The Lions, a predictable result there, really was. Um, if you got that wrong, you were just trying to get it wrong. And then the Cheetahs versus the Sharks. Interesting times for the Cheetahs. Now, we know that Super Rugby is going to get chopped, right? It's going to get chopped by two, maybe three teams. So New Zealand looks to be keeping all five, and rightly so. They, I think they've got more than enough players to warrant it. They've got a great track record in that if the Blues are their weakest team, it says a lot, you know, there's some real good stuff there. Uh, I know the Blues haven't done much pre- like the last sort of four or five, maybe even longer years, but they have won the title before. They were so dominant in the 90s, and uh, they're still a great side. They can, you know, give a PK to most teams in this tournament, so they can stay, and the rest of the four just speak for themselves. Aussies, well, one of them's got to drop. At least one, I would imagine. Uh, the Force and Rebels, obviously, the latter stages to join. Um, whether you can justify both of them being the tournaments, I'm not sure. There's talk of the Brumbies financially not being able to kind of, you know, last, which would be a big shame to see one of them because they're also previous title holders. But when it comes to getting the chop, all eyes are on South Africa right now. Obviously the Kings, there's just nothing happening there for this team. It's really kind of upsetting because it is still the talent breadbasket of this country. Look at Eastern Cape, um, schoolboy rugby, how strong it is, the amount of talent that comes out of there and goes to other provinces. I mean, just off the top of my head, think of the Bulls, Jan Serfentain, Grey High Boy, right there. Um, so the other team now in the spotlight is the Cheetahs. Now, the Cheetahs have Grey Bloom, which, of course, is just a, basically a, a meat market academy where they push out SA's rugby stars. So it'll be interesting to see how that's going to go because the Cheetahs are also kind of like an academy for the Sharks. All the best Cheetahs players graduate towards the Sharks. So you take that away, suddenly the Sharks don't have that feeder system anymore. But there's a lot of hope that it could stay, a lot of reality, however, that it could be the Chiefs that get the chop. Anyway, over the weekend, they lost 30-38 to the Sharks. And uh, after that match, well, Coach Franco Smith was kind of emotional and, um, well, he had this to say about losing the match and ultimately where his team stands. And he said that this whole relegation or kind of getting out of Super Rugby was a bit of a distraction. And how much you can draw into this. Yeah, the sign off Frank Smith. Disappointed. So, now I felt uh, too many. We made too many mistakes. I think, you know, it's an old story. We looked nervous. I know that there's a lot of pressure, and <laughs> some of it is a little bit forced with this whole question about the franchise and all playing for this and that. So, you know, some of it is obviously from outside, which we can't control. So the guys doesn't don't want to disappoint, you know. And and I could see it in the way they played. The the these errors we made that. Um, we never, we never do, and uh, so there's a, so we lost it a little bit. I felt because we, once we were up 2015, um, I felt that we playing to not lose instead of playing to win, you know, and and that's a big thing. I, I believe that, that that there's a a lot of pressure on us, you know. There's a lot of talk about this franchise thing, and here and there, and it, and, and we don't want to disappoint. And I feel that is, you know, especially playing at home. Um, it does make a difference, you know. You, you want to have the crowd in here. You want to play for them. You want to perform. And the guys were, you know, half time even you know they they were 
they were reactive instead of preactive because they they didn't didn't want to disappoint. And you know, you, well, every time with them we when we were behind or we were desperate, we would actually look great. You know, we came back in the first half when we were far down or, or far behind and. We came back again towards in the last ten minutes, or last five minutes. To so you know, as soon as the pressure's off, but and that was the message to the players today. You know, is we must we'll have to fight this thing and 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 play um, to win and and not to lose. And I feel uh, once they got close again and they scored that try in the second half, which we thought was a knock on, and we all stopped playing a little bit and they scored. It took a little bit of the momentum away because suddenly it was 23-22 and or 23-22 uh, and and suddenly guys felt shit, but we're better than that and so that unfortunately influenced our decision making. It influenced the liberty with the ball in hand. So yeah, but obviously I mean I just say that the, the, the group's really disappointed in the result. No, well that we can only control the controllable. So. I think well, it's easy to say that. Sorry, that's the section where he talks more about the fact that the cheaters do deserve to be here. They look, look how easy that came. So it's easy to say that, but it's about actions. And and, and I believe, you know, um, we merit to stay in this competition. Uh, the whole of the central part of, 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 of South Africa uh, merits this, this franchise. So I think we must just um, put that behind us this week and really focus and concentrate on what we can control. We're a good side. We're a good team. We're better than we were there tonight. And I feel outside influences did um, influence uh, some of the decision-making. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's tough, but it's something we've got to deal with and hopefully a decision will be made soon. Yeah, I, like, I, I'd hate to see that... Um that the cheaters would ever go because it's like a big section of the country. I know it's quite sparsely populated because it's mostly farms, but it is a rugby, like it's a traditional rugby place, you know, and if not, nothing else, where all those guys rev their Harleys if they haven't got a cheaters game to go to. Yeah, it's all these games have pretty piss poor attendance, which is really worrying, you know, in many, many respects. I know TV coverage is really great nowadays, so it's probably better to sit in your lapper and drink out of your brandy optic than actually go to the stadium and have to do that by yourself. But you, you can't take away the cheaters. I like these guys. They're everyone's second team because they play exciting rugby, right? You can kind of maybe get rid of the Kings. Everyone would obviously say, well, you know, I mentioned this last week. You can't have the Bulls and the Lions because they're basically in the same province, but that's a very different thing. You've got to look from those professional entities. So if there's going to be three teams, I still don't believe, you know, why can't they just chop more Australian teams? <laughs> Just get rid of. Let's just like make a bargain. We'll get rid of the kings because that's there's just been too much mismanagement, and we can't just keep for sentimental reasons go. Ah, oh, but you know they deserve a chance. Yeah, well then they shouldn't have had cheeky shit face Watson in charge for so long. You lose the right to be in it if you got bad management and you make bad life choices. That's life. That's not me. That's life. Let's do away with the kings. That's fine. And then we got four teams, four solid teams. Sorry, five solid teams. There we go. Stormers, Sharks. You got the Bulls and the Lions and the Cheetahs. That's five. That's enough. That's good. I reckon enough players to go across there. The idea of the Kings, well, let's just really make sure that they can do something in the Curry Cup. And if something happens post that, then great. But this whole thing about them having super rugby right now, yeah, let's, let's get over it. And then let's just um, all poo-poo the Aussies so they get rid of two of their teams because they don't need that many. They just don't. It's as simple as that. Anyway, moving on. The final result from the weekend was, um, yeah, because the Cheetahs lost to the Sharks. Um, and yeah, Kerwin Bosch. That's another thing I want to talk about. Shit, I almost forgot about that. I still can't believe this guy's 19. It feels like he's been around for quite a while. I know in Craven Week when he was playing for EP, because he came from Gray, uh, Gray High, uh, the boys school there. 
And uh, just another example, obviously, all the talent is in the Eastern Cape. You know, we all know this. Uh, but he is, he got kind of taken into the Sharks, which every other Eastern Cape boy will end up doing. And uh, he was very, very good at Craven Week. He was one of the standout players there. And then he got into like the junior Springbok setup. And he, he's just one of those guys, you know, whether he's playing fullback, whether he's playing fly half, there's just so much talent there. I know he's not the biggest kid in the whole world. And people will, people who have maybe limited rugby knowledge or understanding will always lament over the fact that he's a guy who probably couldn't make international rugby because he's just not quite big enough. But he is. I think he's fine. He's got more than enough um, speed, skill. He's just got a general understanding. You watch this guy, even when he talks. Now, I know we often pull the piss about rugby interviews and sporting interviews in general here. And I, I to a certain degree, believe that every team should have a spokesperson, actually. Let these guys go huff and puff in the change room. Don't try to put a microphone in their face and ask them what the game was like. I'm pretty sure they're going to tell you it was tough because they can barely breathe. But this guy, you know, when he talks, he's composed. When he's, like, kicking at goal, there's something about him. He's really, really going somewhere this kid, this kid he is 19 so he's still got the blitz box sorry not the blitz box um the junior box to play for for a for a while you know he's got another tournament with them and to think that he's already making waves in super rugby i know when pat lambie comes back you're gonna be like oh you know pat lambie's the incumbent springbok fly off blah 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 but i think as well you know you can't trust a guy like pat lambie I'm not saying that in like a malicious sense or whatever, or the fact that he is, you know, anything wrong with him. It's just that when you've got a track record of all the injuries and all the going down, and I know he had a tough time on the bench in the Hanukkah Mayor era, but if you've got a guy working in a, in a corporate business, right, and he's always sick or he's got family issues or he's got dodgy legs or whatever it is, the chances of him being promoted into a client-facing position is going to be difficult, right, because you can't rely on him being around. I know you can't, you can't always prevent injuries and it's just bad luck. But every now and again, you've got to make a judgment call. I don't think Pat Lambie is the future. I think there's some really great fly-offs out there. There's some guys that do need the game time. And I'd hate to think that as soon as Lambie gets back, he's just going to be an automatic starter. I know they made him the captain because, well, the Sharks just lost everyone over the age of 24, uh, mostly. But if Kerwin Bosch can get an extended around a fly-off, I think it's a good thing for SA Rugby. But he needs to be managed properly. You can't just be thrust in there like, say, Hondra Apollo was thrown into the Bok team. Uh, Johan Kursen was just thrown in there. Those guys haven't really kicked on of late, and that is a bit of a worry. But if we can manage this guy, and again, it's just a reminder all the time, the amount of talent in this country, if we can just somehow get decent administrators, decent coaches, people with vision, we should be beating the All Blacks. And every sentimental Bok fan after about 73 beers will tell you that every single weekend. But you've got to look at players like this. You've got to look at all the potential, all the structures that are already in place. And if they could just be better, they'd just be better, we could have such a great team. The Jaguars, they beat the Reds 22-8. to And the Reds got off quite lightly there, but still. Another one for the Jaguars at home, they really are quite the force. Final rugby story. Um, I don't know if it's been affecting you recently, but don't you feel there's a whole, there's way too much airplay to what's happening with Brendan Fenter, what's happening with Rusty Rasmus. Um, Rob Howing on Twitter actually mentioned this yesterday saying he's getting a bit tired. Now, Rob is the rugby writer for Sport 24 or many people would call Stormers 24. Um, you know, he's a great guy as Rob. He's very insightful. I, I do enjoy his, his stuff. And he was saying there's just so much, so many sideshows towards these characters. And like, I read that and I thought, well, look, I'm pissed off with it. Can you imagine Alice Garcia, how pissed off he must be every week if he does read the press, which I'm sure he does to a certain degree. Can you imagine every single week people are banding these stories around like Russie's, you know, trying to come back, uh, Brenna Fenter's with Italy now, but he's going to come pledge his support to the team. 
all of these things about these assistant coaches and advisors to Alistair Kutsia's um, Bok team, all because essentially Alistair Kutsia is inadequate. And this is what's been proven. And this was coming out all the time. So you imagine like all the time people care about who your assistants are going to be more than who, you, like what you're about and what you're going to do. But throughout this whole year so far in rugby terms, I've not heard anything positive about Alistair Kutsia what he's doing. I heard he's looking forward to the season. I mean, like, no shit. It's, it's another season of employment. Of course, he's going to be massively excited about it. But I've heard nothing more about what's really happening in these camps. How are we moving forward? What are the, what are the key players here? So much about Brenda Fento, Rusty Rasmus, whoever else could come back and strengthen this team. But, um, it does appear that Rusty is not going to be returning anytime soon. It is his kind of, um, I wouldn't say lifelong goal, but he does want to come back in a capacity where he can help the box directly. But it doesn't seem to be happening at all, really. All at rugby.com, of course, is a great website for all latest up-to-date rugby stuff, stats, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, article went out yesterday saying, Rusty, will he, won't he? And, uh, it just turns out not right now. So his long, long-term contract will kind of remain to be happening in Ireland. And, uh, yeah. So let's just maybe let that one go for a bit. If it happens, it happens. I mean, let's just move on. We need to get supportive about what's going on and hopefully those guys can do a better job. Into the crickets. That was all your rugby for the weekend. Um, next week, uh, yeah, I've matched the same super rugby. Anyway, so, uh, crickets. So basically the proteas, they first day was a cock up really in New Zealand, lots of rain. And, uh, it didn't go too well with the bat for the proteas. And uh, New Zealand then bowled them out for 314. Quinton the cock, dodgy hand and all. He scored 90, 314, a decent score. And then the, oh, the Kiwis, they just piled on the runs quite slowly, albeit at a very slow pace. But they finished today at 321 for four. Um, they were doing very, very well. Late sort of charge of wickets there. Um, their opening batsman, who was going on at no pace whatsoever, uh, Ravel, he scored 88 from 250, 88 from 254 balls. Luckily for New Zealand, though, Kane Williamson, 148 not out from 216. So he's still trying to make this game go somewhere. But then, um, yeah, as soon as Ravel fall, fell, Broom went, Nichols went, Santner was bold, but unfortunately Vern, uh, overstepped. So 3 2 1 for 4. Kiwis still have a slight lead there. They um, are obviously ahead with wickets in hand. They're ahead by seven runs, two days to go. But can the weather hold out? Can anything happen in this test? On a far more exciting note, the Australia tests, Auss- Aussie's got 300 all, uh, all out first innings. Uh, Smith again with 100. This guy is absolutely incredible. Um, our, our Aussie mate Dennis actually had a stat that if Steve Smith gets a duck in the next 20 of his innings, 20 ducks in a row, his average will still be higher than Virat Kohli. That's pretty incredible, right? Anyway, so 300 all out for Australia. And then India, 3-3-2 all out. Nathan Lyon getting a five-wicket haul there. And uh, everyone still believes that he's the greatest spinner of all time. Well, any Australian guy with a good sense of humor, that is. And Australia in response there, 82 for three. So they lead by just 50. Seven wickets in hand. And this, of course, is the massive decider because they both won one test that has been drawn. So whoever wins this one wins the series. And it's all to play for now in Dharmasala, which is that amazing place up near, um, up the, what's it, um, Himalayas. Beautiful, beautiful place there. So that's still to look out, look out for. Uh, the Proteas New Zealand test will probably end in the draw, but this one, guns blazing. I'm very torn between who I want to, who I want to win this, but yeah, the Aussies have had a good series so far. And uh, currently the crease, Maxwell and Hanscom. Do you guys trust in taking this game further? 
Right, so the cricket's not really a big weekend, uh, but yeah, golf over the weekend. Wow, 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 wow. That WGC Dell Technologies World Match Play thing, I know these things are very, very long names. It's not important. But that awesome golf course, wow, for match play, how absolutely incredible. So many great risk-reward holes. The first nine is like nice and tree-lined and undulating. Second nine, there's water, there's open bar. Ugh, it's just amazing. Uh, lots of wind early in the week. Uh, it did kind of balance out a bit in the weekend. But John Rahm and Dustin Johnson, these two guys were just unstoppable. You kind of saw from the pool stages uh, you wanted these two to come against each other. John Rahm beat Sergio Garcia 6-4. and four. Now, Rahm is this new sort of like uh, new young sensation from Spain. He did the whole college kind of um, journey, which most people do before they become a, a decent pro in America. And uh, this guy, is just he blitzes off the tee. He's got like this three-quarter kind of kind of swing, but he's he's a bulky lad, and he really throws it out there. And Johnson, of course, well, we all know, will number one right now, absolutely canes it. So these guys were just hitting bombs all week and just getting rid of everyone. Roy McIlroy and uh, Jordan Spieth, they didn't make it through the pool stages. Um, so a bit disappointing for them, although it does give them more time to prepare for the Masters, something that Roy McIlroy did kind of speak about. So it was Rom versus Dustin Johnson, and Dustin Johnson ending up winning that one. But it was close. It was very, very exciting. And uh, to bring the final moments of that, here's a clip here. Stick. There's plenty of time to back away and re- take a look at this one. It's going to come up short, but he'd make the birdie. That would be enough. He would go four up in the match. Rom scrambling at the seventh. From off the green saves par. And then Dustin Johnson had to make this just to have the hole. And gets it on the last roll. And everything going DJ's way. He was five up through eight. But Rom came all the way back. Gets it close. He's still four down when he comes to the 13th and then makes this decision. I'm going to pull driver. I'm going to fly it on the green. 270-plus into the wind just to carry the water. He would two-putt for birdie and win the hole. Rom still coming at the 15th from 81 yards, trying to make up the deficit. Three feet, he'd win that hole. He's going to extend the match again. Now just two down with three to play. More John Rahm. Birdie putt at the 16th. You got to be kidding me. The kid is now just one shot back. One down. Coming to the 18th. He would drive the green but couldn't get it up and down. DJ gets the par. Good enough to win the hole. And the match. One up the final. Dustin Johnson wins for the third consecutive start. He's won all the World Golf Championships. And he's the number one player in the world. Catch us Thursday for opening round. Just Dustin Johnson is just killing it right now. But how about that? Hey, five down against Dustin Johnson. He took it all the way down to the 18th. This John Rom, you don't, I mean, I don't need to tell you this. This guy is going to be so special. He's going to be, firstly, he's going to win a major, right? So straight away, he's better than Sergio. <laughs> That's going to be really great. Sergio is nuts. He's going to become a Ryder Cup sensation. So much going on here. So look out for him. Golf is really in a great place right now and just gets stronger and stronger. To think like six months ago, nobody was really talking about John Rom. Now, if he'd won yesterday, he would have made it the top 10 in the world. He would be the third quickest to do so as far as turning pro to make it the top 10. This guy is going to be incredible. He's got the fight. He's got the temperament. And he definitely has the game. And uh, you want to see more and more players like that coming through. So that was the golf, and of course, this weekend was the all the fast bikes and cars back in action. So MotoGP often doesn't get quite the attention and fanfare that uh, Formula One gets. But if you enjoy 
out-and-out racing. There is nothing better than the MotoGP. Overtaking is quicker. It's faster. More happens in a race. Um, there's some really great characters involved. They still go to the same amazing locations. Obviously, they don't go to Monaco, but you get the idea. It's got everything Formula One kind of has, but it's far more exciting. There's less funny rule changes and finicky things. It's far less predictable. And uh, all this weekend's results kind of show it. Um, Maverick Vinales. Have you heard of him before? Have you heard of him before this this season? He's been there, thereabouts, sure. But I mean, Maverick Vinales, he wins that one. Andrea Davizis, sorry, I'm going to cock this one up. Davis also, uh, he came in third, second. And then Valentino Rossi came in third. Now, Valentino Rossi, I think, was racing when he was like, what, 17 or something stupid? This guy just is like in his 1,000th season. Uh, Mark Marquez and Danny Pedroza make up the top five. So there is huge names involved in MotoGP. You've got these great upstarts that are coming through. You've got to watch more MotoGP. It's something I'm going to try to do this year as well. And uh, with exciting results and races around the world, it's just up there. with um, Up there, if not better than F1. Just always remember that. It's not just always about the F1. But, you know, it does get a whole bunch of attention, does the F1. Um, it's been quite predictable to this point as far as everyone knows that Mercedes could get the one two. Hamilton's ultimately going to win. Last year, there was a bit of a turn up because Hamilton's car wasn't as good as Rosberg's car, Rosberg being the teammate. Rosberg managed to sneak a few wins here and there. He got into a good run. And even though Hamilton kind of displayed, uh, well, kind of not so subtly that he is the better driver, the way he dictated that the final race in Abu Dhabi last year, uh, he did come away coming second. And then Rosberg then retired. So shock horror suddenly. Plot twist, F1. Mercedes need a new driver. Season's about to start. They can't get anybody. They got uh, Bottas. Uh, he came into the team. So prior to this, all the big talk was around Ferrari, right? They did so well in the testing. They were beating uh, Mercedes every single time. Could this be the season? Well, it got into the, the um, qualifiers, and surprise, surprise, Hamilton was out in front in this one again. So he got pole position to start this Australian Grand Prix from. Five lights on ahead of the drivers. It's lights out and away we go. Hamilton gets away very well indeed. Sebastian Vettel has to cover off Valtteri Bottas. Verstappen's already challenging Kimi Raikkonen into turn one. The first two, Sir Hamilton and Vettel go through unscathed. Then comes Bottas and Raikkonen just ahead of Verstappen. A bit clumsy, a little like a stop of Van Dorn towards the rear there in the McLaren. So Hamilton got the much better start. Vettel managed to get into second place. But then uh, Hamilton went into the pits because he felt he wasn't getting the most from his tyres and he felt he had to go and get some more grip and in doing so well Vettel kind of got away so he was leading and then Verstappen who you either love or hate I think people love him for the sport because he can make exciting things happen I think you hate him if you've got to drive against him so he was holding up Hamilton who was then in third at that stage and then Vettel was just going from strength to strength and then when he did pit he managed to come out and still maintain his lead and with that he wins the Australian Grand Prix so good for Sebastian Vettel. Obviously, he was so good with with uh, Red Bull, right? I mean, the guy was just so dominant. If you thought it was boring around, um, McCle- uh, sorry, um, Mercedes winning all the time, it was damn boring when Red Bull were winning as well. So he held on and uh, he got the win there, which is a great start. So now everyone's massively excited about the season going ahead. It's not going to be predictable. There's going to be more racing because you know they made some aesthetic changes to the cars, so the cars look a bit bulkier and they you know move faster in this. All this downforce crap. I don't know. I'm not getting into that. So, if Ferrari can be more um, competitive, you know, it's also like you know, for the romantic out there, you want to see Ferrari doing well in racing because they are like you know, it's, it's in their blood. It's all that Italian stuff. 
So great start for that one. And um, maybe more more races like that. So that's your F1, your MotoGP, your cricket, rugby, and your golf. Um, big talking point from last week. Now, if you went on to the Bounce of Studios today, I wrote something last week, Friday. Now, you don't hear a lot about uh, athletics in this country, right? Well, mostly because there's so many other sports. Um, there's so many other things to get your attention. And like there's so many other stars that kind of unfortunately become household names. And the guys are like, oh, well, you know, they're in the background. The Olympics, though, the Olympics always, whether you love it or hate it, every four years, it is the biggest thing. Everything comes to a standstill. And if you do well in the Olympics, well, everyone notices who you are, right? Now, we've got some bloody good sprinters in this country. We've got some bloody good runners. We've got Wave Fnikirk, obviously world champion, gold medalist, um, set the world record in Rio. We've got Casa Semenya, you know, absolute legend of running solid okay now these are like world's best then we've got Ankani Sambini now he finished fifth in the 100 meters in Rio right people forget about this because 100 meters bolt obviously big deal uh, to less degree everyone looks at uh, Justin Gatlin but for Ankani Sambini to make it into that final that was groundbreaking for a South African athlete the fact that he managed to finish fifth so he wasn't making up the numbers he was there like to finish fifth that's a hugely credible position the margin for, you know, the difference between the runners here is so small. So it's really, really great. And then you go further down, right? You get a guy like Gift Leotlela. Now, this dude, he's so young. He's so talented. He's obviously gifted. Clarence Munyai as well. Tando Roto. You might not know these names just yet, but here we have real sporting talent. Um, Anasa Jabondwana. Now, this guy won a bronze medal at the World Champs for the 200 meters, right? This is a guy who's trained with Bolt. This is a guy who had some horrible injuries last year, but there's a proper, proper talent here. Uh, Henrico Branches. Now, this is a guy who won the SA Champs last year. So, when you look at, you take a snapshot of what's happening in athletics in South Africa right now. We've got some proper talent, right? There's some really, really good running talents. Homegrown, real, real solid individuals. So you would think that the SA Champs would be a big deal, right? Like a massive deal, as in, wow, imagine we can put all of that in one event and one track just for one country. How cool is that? Well, this is what um, Athletics South Africa's president uh, has to say about this. <laughs> this guy, gold. Those artists that have been identified and that, that those that will be confirmed will be expected to represent the country and they will skip the South African Championships. Athletic South Africa does not prepare athletes for the South African Championships because the South African Championships for them is not important. The highest is more important than the South African Championship. Athletes will always want to be where it is easy to excel. The likes of Simbini, he must be prepared to run and take the baiting and chase a bolt at the World Championships, and not to chase somebody at the African, at, at the South African Championships. The country comes first before the province, before the small competition like this. Okay, a whole lot of bullshit, right? Apologies for that going on to mono there. It's nothing wrong with the headphones. Um, that is the president of Athletics Africa, okay? Alex Kosana. He said that this is a small event. It's basically nothing. What he was referring to in the big event there is the World Relay Championships, IWF World Relay Championships. Now, this, of course, is a big event. It's an IWF World um, Relay. So I've just mentioned all those names to you. Now, 
that's kind of cool because if we got lots of sprinters, we got a good relay team, right? We got a good relay team. We got a chance of winning Olympic medals. And that's all that really counts in this realm. We love the Olympic medals. Everyone goes crazy for it. The sports minister spends money he doesn't have for them. It's a very, very cool thing. So in theory, yes, let's go to the world relay champs. Marvelous. Let's get the guys in there. But there's a bigger thing to do here, right? You got to grow a sport. Now, Alex Corsana, who is the Lakes SA president for somehow, who knows how these administrators get their jobs. It wasn't from being athletes themselves. That's damn sure because he has no understanding about athletics. Did you hear that spit there where he talks about the fact that athletes always go? Let's just listen to this again. Uh, let me try to find the spot. Now, this has got, this just kind of confirms to you this guy knows absolutely sweet fuck all about sport. South African Championship. Athletes will always want to be where it is easy to excel. The likes of Simbini. Athletes he- will always want to be where it's easy to excel. Mm-hmm. So are you telling me when Wade Finikirk wakes up every single day knowing that excellence is the only thing that will get him through the day or when Akani Simbini is running so hard around the track that he is vomiting, but he knows that only when he pushes through this stage does anything actually count. Or, you know, when you got all those other youngsters I mentioned, when they're feeling a slight niggle in their leg and they're thinking, well, screw it, I've got to keep pushing. I can't just keep sitting out. This dipshit over here says they want to go where it's easy. If that was true, they would have his job, which is seemingly very easy because you sit around, you sprout crap, and you somehow still get a salary. The best always want to be against the best in order to become the best. It's, I mean, you can, you can harness any sporting cliche you like. It is such an insult to know that all South African athletes are giving everything to become the best, to do the country proud, and get to the Olympics and run against everybody. It is so insulting that this guy would even suggest that they are looking for the easy way out. They're not at all. You go onto Twitter, right? Follow the hashtag Philip Poch. You will see a bunch of young South Africans who are so passionate about what they're doing. But more importantly, they're so passionate about getting what they do and showcasing it to the whole nation, right? This is the whole thing. South African national championships have been scheduled for the weekend of the 21st, 22nd of April, right? Now, the IAAF World Relay Championships have been scheduled for the exact same weekend. But the thing is, everyone's known about this. The IAAF didn't suddenly say, oh, yeah, so um, we're quite keen to go to Bermuda. So we're going to just do this uh, this weekend. So I'll see you guys there. No, this has been in the calendar for a long time. South African... Um, Athletics Association could quite simply go, okay, guys, look, we want to do both. We understand that it's a great opportunity for you to be at the World Relay Champs, uh, in, you know, in view of going towards Tokyo and getting a medal, but we don't want you to miss out on, on the, um, Athletics Africa thing. Oh, sorry, the SA Champs. No, they couldn't give a toss because guys like Alex Kusan is going, this is not an important event. We don't, we don't raise our talent so they can run against each other. What a pile of shit. What an absolute pile of shit. This is where I get angry and I, and I start failing to make sense. So let's just hear what a guy Sambini has got to say about this. Okay. Again, it doesn't seem like this guy is firstly understanding sport. Secondly, very much not in touch with the athletes who are eventually essentially giving him a job. If it wasn't for our guys being so talented and so dedicated to their cause, that dipshit wouldn't have a job. He wouldn't be there in fancy clothes talking shit like he is. So here's Akani Sambini talking about what this actually means to him. For me, I figured that, you know, I wanted to, you know, run here and it's supposed for me to run in South Africa. So I just wanted to make sure that I ran in South Africa and that was my choice, you know, to run in South Africa and miss out on the relays. You hear that? He wants to run here. That's his choice. He wants to miss out on the relays. 
kind of simple this, right? But it's not just him. All the other guys. Wade Finnecook is now committed to running the 100 and the 200 at this event. So what a lineup we've got here. This is so exciting. Not a lot happens in Poch. Basically, you go there, you get a degree, you get drunk, and that's about it. And hopefully you don't get pregnant. Now, you've got all SA's best running talents. And Carlos Semenya will be there as well. This is the best of the best in athletics, okay? This is a really proud sporting moment. And, I mean, I don't even know if it's going to be televised. Because you've got guys like Alex Cosana, and you obviously can't rely on the SABC at any stage to do anything or offer any foresight to this. But it's just one of those situations where we as African sports fans need to step up and say, hang a second, we need to actually get behind this. This, this scheduling thing here, these dumbass administrators who all they care about is probably going to Bermuda on business class. That's all they really care about. I know I'm speculating wildly here and I'm overextending my opinions, but so what? This guy, all you can think about is Bermuda running against Usain Bolt. It's not going to happen, okay? Our guys are so green right now as a, as a relay unit. We don't know who's going to be there. Is Wafenika going to really commit to the 100, and will he be part of this team? It doesn't make any sense throwing these youngsters in there right now going against Jamaica. It makes a lot of sense, however, to get them into the SA Champs because this is where sponsors can hopefully see what's going on. A year ago... That same Alice Gosana said, look, it's been a rough time for Lake South Africa. We want to kind of steady the ship. We want to get more corporate sponsorship back into things. Well, I tell you, this is how you do it. You make sure that SA Champs is such a big event. It's such a big deal. And you market the hell out of this thing. You make sure it's getting TV coverage. You make sure it's getting newspaper coverage. You make sure it's getting whatever kind of coverage. You don't go out there and tell the whole country this event is very insignificant. None of our big stars should worry about it. That is not how you're going to grow SA Athletics. Like it just pains me that normal people like average Joes like me can make sense around this and actually have to maybe say, hang on a second, this is absolute bullshit. It is so infuriating. You want to grow a sport. You want to get more talent in. You want to get more corporate sponsorship in. So you take a guy like Enrico um, Branchis, right? You want to take him and say, right, you go run that relay. What if someone drops a baton or heaven forbid someone gets injured and this guy doesn't even make the final? What coverage they're going to get, right? They might get a small blurb somewhere in a newspaper, like page four of the sports section. It means nothing. You take them to SA Champs, right? And you're promoting SA Champs as this big event. You've got local sponsors coming and viewing this whole thing. Then these guys can actually maybe get some sponsorships because it's not like Sascock's going to do well with them. How many stories have you heard over the years of how people have to pay their own way to go to an athletics meet? They've got to pay their own way when it comes to accommodation, uh, trainers, all that kind of stuff. It all adds up. You know what goes into making um, an Olympic medal? You know, I think England did this whole thing in Great Britain. It cost over a million pounds to generate an Olympic medal, a gold medal, when you take on all the different uh, kind of attributes of training and getting athletes into their, their, their prime um, form. So we need these guys to really do well at this SA Champs. And again, when you go onto Twitter and you follow guys like Zimbini and Wafani Cook, uh, Branches and, and all the rest of them, they're all kind of smack talking each other. They're so excited about this. They want to put on a show for South Africa. And if they get to do that, that's where money comes into the sport. That's where people want to get involved in the sport. It, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm probably just repeating myself now out of pure rage. How again, it's these small minded, stupid administrators. And they're just, it's so insulting. They're just, they're so ignorant to what's going on around them that if they could just use some sort of foresight, it would really, really be great. 
Anyway, the person who got me onto the story was Junior Steinbeck from ENCA, a uh, really talented young journalist as well. You know, the, the youth of this country is it's just nothing but amazing. But it's all these old doers that are just, ugh, it just create this bottleneck when nothing really happens. Anyway, if you are in the general Potterstrom area or if you're in general Gauteng and you really want to get behind this, it's the weekend of April 21-22. Just go onto Twitter, follow the hashtag PhilipPotch. And be part of this. It's something amazing. I don't think any of us listening to this podcast right now, unless this is something you really, really love, have been to a local athletics meet here in South Africa. We've all been to rugby games, cricket matches, football matches, whatever it may be. But we've got the talent. These guys need all the support. And if we can get that, again, you know, next Olympics, how happy were we in the Olympics when we were winning those medals? It felt great, right? Support the guys now, more Olympics in the future. And they're good people. They're just good sports stars. These guys are pretty humble. They work damn hard. And they really do deserve all our support. Okay. I don't want to make every single week where I have to rant about something. So totally off topic now. Let's wrap it up by that documentary I was telling you about, uh, Becoming Zlatan. So we all know Zlatan Ibrahimovic is now with Man United. Uh, he spent a lot of time with Barcelona, PSG, a real international superstar. But did you know how he got to this, where he came from? Well, there's a documentary going around. And it's, it's, um, it's from last year. So it's not exactly cutting edge, but it's a bloody good documentary in that obviously he's Swedish, right? Um, his parents came from uh, not Sweden. Sorry, it's escaped me right now. Anyway, so his parents, um, I think they immigrated to Sweden at some stage. He was brought up in Malmo, which is quite a rough town. Definitely rougher nowadays. <laughs> And uh, he was just such a dick. There's no other way to describe it. People mostly hated him. His teammates humored him because he would score goals and win them games. But the opposition always hated him in Sweden. The fans hated him. They're, they're just Everyone hated how arrogant he was. And obviously, he was like the tallest kid there, right? So he really stuck out. And uh, he got involved in fights and scuffles. And he would foul guys. And he was just such an absolute shit. So this documentary showcases all of this. It really, really is worth watching. It was a little bit a conflictive guy. Not easy to manage. So he was. He was a real troublesome youth, right? But in Sweden, with, uh, with Malmo, I think he joined them when there was like 17. And he was just seen as like, obviously, that's going to become something quite special. But he was constantly being shown up. But then Ajax Amsterdam had a bit of a vision. He played. I see him getting the ball on his foot, makes his movements with his big, strong body. The eyes were like fire. So he went to Ajax and uh, it didn't work. He was pretty crap in the beginning, but they paid 9 million euros for him back in those days, which was a club record. I said to Zlatan, if you fuck me, I fuck you. So there was this really crusty old git that bought him for the for the record amount of money. And as you hear him say there, that if you fuck him, he'll fuck you. And he was a pretty badass guy. So Zlatan, you know, he got into a fight with the captain at the time, a uh, Dutch guy, I forget his name now. Uh, there was then there was a friendly between Sweden and uh, 
and Netherlands and he just kicked out of this dude like just so bad never making friends but then there was this Egyptian striker who was ahead of him so last time was on the bench in um, Amsterdam and then this Egyptian dude I don't know I don't know if you got stuck on the nose or whatever it was but he lost the plot and Zlatan became the opening uh, the, the, the sort of starting striker they were back in the Champions League in those days back when Ajax was pretty good and uh, yeah he was player of the season and from there then Juventus said well look we're putting big money into this guy and as soon as he went to Juventus then he became the sort of superstar and then from there you know the rest is history as they say but prior to him going to Juventus there's such a story behind this dude and it wasn't easy here like we often look at these superstars and think they got a break and everything was cool this dude was so conflicted he was like again like I said people absolutely hated him it was very difficult for him to get ahead but he did it and it's a really great story and it's just it's kind of nice to see where it is now as far as He's kind of proved everyone wrong, and he had a lot of haters, right? A lot. But if you look at what he's won and the, the leagues he's been involved in, and uh, obviously he's well, he's saving Man United at the moment. Anyway, that's pretty much it for the show this week. Uh, like I said, next week really holding out. I've got a big golf guest. Hopefully, he can make it. Um, this thing with international guests, it's just quite difficult to always hammer them down schedule wise. But go onto the balance. I'll see it. I'll right now. You get this whole show, and. Um, you're probably there right now listening on podcast. If you are listening live, go on to the Bounce of Seattle today. Otherwise, go on to cliffcentral.com and you can find the show page there, uh, The Bounce Show, for all previous shows. And uh, follow me at Follow the Bounce on Twitter. You know how it goes. I need to go fix a sander uh, and I'll keep you updated about the show changing. It's going to go to a Thursday pretty soon. But yeah, enjoy the rest of the sport for the week. Uh, chat to me if you want to bring up any other issues. And of course, the show is always open. So if there's a certain kind of guest you want, you can also email me, ben at thebounce.co.za. Or if you believe you are someone who should be interviewed, I'm always keen to talk sports and general male life matters. Anyway, I've spoken enough. I have spoken myself horse for a Monday. Uh, speaking of horse, you must, watch the, you must watch the show Bojack Horseman. Damn good show. Yeah, I know. I watch a lot of TV at the moment. Anyway, catch you back next week. Thanks for joining me this week on The Bounce Show. Cliffcentral.com.